Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour, my friends. Today is March 20th and the arrival of the first day of spring in this part of the world. My name is David McAdam, and I look forward to reading God's Word with you today as we continue to make our way through the wilderness with the children of Israel in the Old Testament book of Numbers and read the account of the fulfillment of the Old Testament expectation in Jesus of Nazareth in the New Testament Gospel of Luke. We will also be making our next stops to drink refreshing streams from the book of Psalms and to glean needed practical wisdom from the book of Proverbs. You've done well to make it this far, and if you're just joining us today, we welcome you and trust that you will be enriched and edified as we make reading the book of books a daily healthy habit for our innermost being. Let's turn now to the book of Numbers, chapter 30. This is where we find ourselves as we set out today. The Lord has special instructions for the second generation, the new generation that follow the cloud by day and fire by night. They needed further instruction as soon they'll be walking into the land that God had promised them. So we begin with Moses speaking to the leaders of the tribes of the people. Verse 1, chapter 30. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord, or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. If a woman vows a vow to the Lord, and binds herself by a pledge, while within her father's house in her youth, and her father hears of her vow and of her pledge by which she has bound herself, and says nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand, and every pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father opposes her on the day that he hears of it, no vow of hers, no pledge by which she has bound herself, shall stand, and the Lord will forgive her, because her father opposed her. If she marries a husband while under her vows, or any thoughtless utterance of her lips by which she has bound herself, and her husband hears of it, and says nothing to her on the day that he hears, then her vows shall stand, and her pledges by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if, on the day that her husband comes to hear of it, he opposes her, then he makes void her vow that was on her, and the thoughtless utterance of her lips by which she bound herself, and the Lord will forgive her. But any vow of a widow or of a divorced woman, anything by which she has bound herself, shall stand against her. And if she vowed in her husband's house, or bound herself by a pledge with an oath, and her husband heard of it, and said nothing to her, and did not oppose her, then all her vows shall stand, and every pledge by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband makes them null and void on the day that he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning her pledge of herself shall not stand. Her husband has made them void, and the Lord will forgive her. Any vow and any binding oath to afflict herself, her husband may establish, or her husband may make void. But if her husband says nothing to her from day to day, then he establishes all her vows and all her pledges that are upon her. He has established them because he said nothing to her on the day that he heard of them. But if he makes them null and void after he has heard of them, then he shall bear her iniquity. These are the statutes that the Lord commanded Moses about a man and his wife and about a father and his daughter 
while she is in her youth within her father's house. Chapter 31 Vengeance on Midian The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm men from among you for the war, that they may go against Midian to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. You shall send a thousand from each of the tribes of Israel to the war. So there were provided out of the thousands of Israel a thousand from each tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. And Moses sent them to the war, a thousand from each tribe, together with Phinehas the son of Eleazar the priest, with the vessels of the sanctuary and the trumpets for the alarm in his hand. They warred against Midian, as the Lord commanded Moses, and killed every male. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of their slain, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam the son of Beor with the sword, and the people of Israel took captive the women of Midian and their little ones, and they took as plunder all their cattle, their flocks, and all their goods. All their cities in the places where they lived, and all their encampments, they burned with fire, and took all the spoil and all the plunder, both of man and of beast. Then they brought the captives and the plunder and the spoil to Moses and to Eleazar the priest, and to the congregation of the people of Israel at the camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Moses and Eleazar the priest and all the chiefs of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. And Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds who had come from service in the war. Moses said to them, Have you let all the women live? Behold, these, on Balaam's advice, caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And so the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has known man by lying with him. But all the young girls who have not known man by lying with him keep alive for yourselves and camp outside the camp seven days, Whoever of you has killed any person, and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. You shall purify every garment, every article of skin, all work of goat's hair, and every article of wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men in the army who had gone to battle, This is the statute of the law that the Lord has commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that can stand the fire, you shall pass through the fire, and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, it shall also be purified with the water for impurity. And whatever cannot stand the fire, you shall pass through the water. You must wash your clothes on the seventh day, and you shall be clean. And afterward you may come into the camp. The Lord said to Moses, Take the count of the plunder that was taken, both of man and of beast, you and Eleazar the priest, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the congregation, and divide the plunder into two parts between the warriors who went out to battle and all the congregation. 
and levy for the Lord a tribute from the men of war who went out to battle, one out of five hundred, of the people and of the oxen and of the donkeys and of the flocks. Take it from their half and give it to Eleazar the priest as a contribution to the Lord. And from the people of Israel's half you shall take one drawn out of every fifty, of the people, of the oxen, of the donkeys, and of the flocks, and of all the cattle, and give them to the Levites who keep guard over the tabernacle of the Lord. And Moses and Eleazar the priest did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now the plunder remaining of the spoil that the army took was 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 persons in all, women who had not known man by lying with him. And the half, the portion of those who had gone out in the army, numbered 337,500 sheep, and the Lord's tribute of sheep was 675. The cattle were 36,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 72. The donkeys were 30,500, of which the Lord's tribute was 61. The persons were 16,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 32 persons. And Moses gave the tribute, which was the contribution for the Lord, to Eleazar the priest, as the Lord commanded Moses. From the people of Israel's half, which Moses separated from that of the men who had served in the army, now the congregation's half was 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, and 30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 persons. From the people of Israel's half, Moses took one of every fifty, both of persons and of beasts, and gave them to the Levites, who kept guard over the tabernacle of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then the officers who were over the thousands of the army, the commanders of thousands, and the commanders of hundreds, came near to Moses, and said to Moses, Your servants have counted the men of war who are under our command, and there is not a man missing from us. And we have brought the Lord's offering, what each man found, articles of gold, armlets and bracelets, signet rings, earrings, and beads, to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. And Moses and Eleazar the priest received from them the gold, all crafted articles, and all the gold of the contribution that they presented to the Lord from the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds was 16,750 shekels. The men in the army had each taken plunder for himself. And Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tent of meeting as a memorial for the people of Israel before the Lord. This concludes today's reading from the Old Testament book of Numbers. We are called to be men and women of our word. We are created in God's image. He is a covenant-keeping God. He is a God who makes no promise that He will not keep. There is an interesting set of laws given in Numbers chapter 30 designed to promote unity in the home. These are laws pertaining to vows. When vows are made, they are not to be broken. Vows are to be regarded as sacred. A man is bound to his vow. If promises are made, they are not to be broken. We are to be people of our word. However, there is a principle in Numbers chapter 30 reminding us that there are not to be two supreme governing authorities within a household. A father is given the right to overrule a commitment or vow made to the Lord by a daughter. 
but he must affirm or overrule the vow on the day he hears of it. He is her protector while she lives under his roof. He is also the appointed authority unto the Lord, pertaining to the various commitments made by household members. This is necessary if there is to be unity in the home. A husband is given the same right regarding any vow or commitment that he learns that his wife has made. The father and or the husband should seek to understand the nature of the vow made by his daughter or wife and discern whether she should be released from that vow. He needs to consider the interests of the Lord and other members of the household. Decision should not be left up in the air. He can release her from her obligation to a vow on the day he hears of it. He is to be held accountable as the household manager. Each household is to reflect God's order. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. The head of the household is to be honored as it is fitting in the Lord. The New Testament principle is that the entire household of faith should practice simple integrity. In the intertestamental period, the laws pertaining to vows became more complex than what was written in the Law of Moses. Jesus brings these laws back to the essential characteristic of mirroring God's faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, he says, Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be, Yes, yes, or No, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. One of Moses' last tasks is a somber one. A huge number of Israelites had been killed as a result of the enemy's plot to destroy them as a nation. The evil prophet Balaam persuaded the Midianite government to seek the complete destruction of the Israelites with an aggressive attack on everything that held them together as a nation, their faith in Yahweh, their obedience to the law, the sanctuary, their marriages, their families, their personal purity, and their covenant relationships with God and each other. Who were the Midianites? They were descendants of Abraham through Keturah. They lived around the Gulf of Aquaba. With few exceptions, the Midianites had been hostile enemies of Israel for years. Balaam was a resident of Moab and Midian. When he realized that he could not pronounce a curse upon Israel, he devised a plan for Israel to bring a curse upon herself. He went to the Midianites and advised them to seduce the Israelite men into unfaithfulness to Yahweh. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, we read, But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. Somehow a large number of Midianite women were influenced or coerced by the Midianite government to be unfaithful to their own husbands and families and become schooled in the art of seduction, enticing the Israelite men through sexual lust to participate in the ritual worship of Baal Peor. 
in Numbers chapter 31, verse 1. In doing this, the Israelites broke their covenant with God, broke covenant with their wives and families, and brought a plague of destruction upon themselves and their nation. The enemy often uses temptation to impurity to move people away from the worship of the one true God. We see this in today's advertising industry. Sex sells is the modus operandi. The appeal to lust is a strategy to destroy any sure footing of moral sensibility. God sought vengeance upon those who deceived the Israelites. The Hebrew word nakal denotes premeditated, deliberate plotting. Numbers 25, verse 17. Be hostile to the Midianites and strike them, for they have been hostile to you with their tricks, with which they have deceived you in the affair of Peor and in the affair of Cosby, the daughter of the leader of Midian, their sister who was slain on the day of the plague because of Peor. It is hard to imagine the scale and the seriousness of the crime that the Midianites had perpetrated against Israel. It was akin to having a government-sponsored program to expose a healthy population to a deadly infectious disease. These Midianites destroyed their own family loyalties to destroy those of another nation. It was a depersonalizing and dehumanizing atrocity for all who participated. The Midianites, and especially the six to 12,000 women, were responsible for leading the Israelites into immorality and idolatry. But the Israelites were also to blame. The divine retribution against both the Midianites and the Israelites reminds us of God's view upon the serious sin of idolatry and its devastating impact on one's personal, social, and national life. Verse 7 says that they killed every male. This was not every male in the entire Midianite nation, but every male in the sub-tribe that was responsible for the atrocity that had been committed against Israel. This is made obvious by the fact that Gideon battles the Midianites in the book of Judges, chapter 7, which occurs later in history. The judgment for the atrocity at Baal Paor did not only fall upon the Midianites, Israel lost about 24,000 members of its adult population. Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, leads the army of 12,000 men into battle, 1,000 fighting men from each tribe. The five Midianite kings and the false prophet Balaam are put to death with a sword. Moses was driven to anger because the women, whose premeditated government-facilitated prostitution caused the plague, were being spared. Numbers 31, verse 15. This was contrary to what God required. Their obedience was compromised. The plunder was taken and distributed. Half of the plunder was given to the fighting men, the other half to the people. Of the share given to the people, one of every fifty prisoners or animals was given to the Levites who maintained the Lord's tabernacle. It is important to recognize that the people were successfully numbered and these sacred instructions were to be faithfully carried out. It reminds us that the Lord Jesus knows those who are His in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. He who numbers every hair of our head does not lose track of us. It is good to remember that the Lord Jesus, the greater Joshua, perfectly fulfills every demand of God's law on our behalf in order to enable those who trust Him to enter into all that has been promised in His new covenant. And now we are reading from the New Testament Gospel of Luke, The Temptation of Jesus, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. 
and when they were ended he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town, and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. This is the end of our New Testament reading from the Gospel of Luke. Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus back to the first man, Adam. Remember, from God's point of view, there have only been two men, men as he as God created men to be, without sin. Adam, the first man, and Jesus, the second man, 1 Corinthians 15.47. Adam, the first man, was created in a state of untried innocence. 
Jesus was born without sin. All others, from God's point of view, are born in a state that falls short of his original intention, and therefore fallen mankind could be considered from his perspective as subhuman, while not negating their value as created in God's image. Luke traces Jesus' ministry along the line of Adam, the first man's journey. The first man, Adam, was tempted in the garden and brought humanity into the barren wilderness. The second man is tempted in the barren wilderness in order to bring humanity back to the garden, that is paradise. When God made man, he made him male and female, a community of oneness designed to reflect the community of oneness within the Godhead. The woman was not named Eve until after the fall. Prior to the fall, she shared the name of the man, Adam. It is a further indication of their original oneness. The temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness are similar to that of the first Adam, the lust of the flesh, that is the appetite, the lust of the eye, attraction, and the pride of life, ambition. There you have it, appetite, attraction, and ambition. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. The woman in the garden saw that the tree was good for food, a means to satisfy hunger at the expense of obedience. The man in the wilderness, when he was hungry, chose to live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, rather than command a stone be made bread. He would not satisfy his hunger apart from a disposition of obedience and trust towards his father. He would not bow to the tempter. The woman in the garden saw that the fruit of the tree was attractive, a delight to the eyes. The man in the wilderness saw all the glory of the kingdoms of this world and its attractions and realized that they could not compare with the glory stored up for those who worship God alone. The woman in the garden saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She believed that she could prove herself to be wise with worldly wisdom rather than God's wisdom. The man in the wilderness saw that merely to act on a scripture especially when it is given out of context, does not qualify as obedience, and therefore is not the wisdom of God. He refuses Satan's request to try to prove himself. Where the first Adam failed, the last Adam succeeded against the tempter. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. It is important to note that although Jesus was victorious in these three temptations, Jesus was not through with temptations. In verse 13 we read, When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. This reminds us to be ever on our guard. The devil is not through with us. The enemy recognizes opportune times to bait us with temptation. Jesus' public ministry begins with his regular custom of going to the synagogue, his scripture reading becomes his messianic announcement. The first part of his message is the only one that is well received by those in his hometown. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? Luke 4, verse 22. They thought the message was exciting and perhaps it appealed to their pride. But then Jesus confronts them with the hard facts. The history of Israel proved that prophets were not honored in their hometowns. Then Jesus taught how God has repeatedly shown favor to the unlikely people, 
even those who were outside the covenant of Israel. When he demonstrated that God showed favor to the Gentiles over the hometown Israelites, their pride was threatened and they turned on Jesus. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. Luke 4, verses 28 to 29. Now let's read from the book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook, Psalm 63. My soul thirsts for you. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is the end of our reading from the book of Psalms. The psalmist expresses his hunger for knowing God, to be refreshed in his presence in verse 1, to behold his perfection in verse 2, to be upheld by his unfailing love in verse 3, and to know his comfort, his counsel, and his delivering power as the divine helper in verse 7. Here is a man who has found full satisfaction in God and has something to be forever singing about. In verse 5, My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. The whole bent of his life is to delight in the Lord. The words he chooses imply that it requires some tenacity on his part. Yet even as he presses in to experience God's nearness, he discovers he is both being drawn and upheld. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Psalm 63, verse 8. And we close with today's proverb. Proverbs 11, verses 20 to 21. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Once again we are reminded of the benefits of a new life in Christ to be a descendant of the Holy God born of the incorruptible seed with the promise of deliverance. Let's pray together. Our Father, we set apart and reverence your holy name and ask that you be honored in our lives. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Supply us with our needs and help us to quickly forgive as we have been forgiven. Lord, help us to recognize the subtle craftiness of the enemy. Help us to discern his strategies and say no to idolatry. 
may we repudiate the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. With our singing lips and thankful hearts, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Again, we are grateful for opportunities to share the Word of God and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about New Life and its ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us by email, podcast at newlife.org. Thank you and God bless you.